Welcome to the South Metro Ministries podcast. Here's this week's message from Pastor Alan Matura. My mind has been on this passage for months. And uh, this is the Sunday morning in the book of Philippians chapter 4. That the Holy Spirit has released me to bring this word to you. Philippians chapter 4. A very familiar passage. One that uh, maybe some of you have committed to memory. And if you haven't committed to memory, after you read and absorb the content of it, perhaps you'd want to do that. Because the Lord and His Word is that spiritual, physical, and otherwise strength and food that we need every day. And so I want to read from Philippians chapter 4, beginning at verse 6 and going on down to verse number 9. And I want us to hear his word together and then receive it in a moment. Verse number four, six is where I begin. Actually, you can read the whole chapter, but you have to start somewhere. So we'll do it six. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, make your requests known unto God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, O Holy Spirit, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things of a good report, If there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate or think on these things. Verse 9. The things which you have learned and received and heard and saw in me. This is what Paul's telling those he's writing to. The things which you have learned, received, heard and saw in me. These do. And a God of peace will be with you. Can I get another amen? Hey, I haven't preached so long enough and so many years to not know I am no good without His anointing. I haven't memorized sermons and gone over them so much and so many times, different environment to think, okay, God, I got it. No, 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 no. I'm like you. We got to have Him first. And I always covet your prayers. Stretch your hands in my direction. I'm stretching my hands in yours. Let's pray for the anointing on all of us. I'll be the speaker and you'll be the hearer, but both of us need to hear him. So, Father, I thank you for the choir songs. I thank you for the praise team. I thank you for the instruments and the instrumentalists. Say amen, church. God, I thank you for all the people that make ministry possible, our ushers, our hospitality, our traffic control people, our nursery people, our children's church people. Oh God, I thank you, Lord, for those in sound and media. And I know I'll forget some, and I don't mean to. And I thank you for all the worshipers. We all need you today. May this day, because you have visited with us, be a day of a transformation in our living in our being, in our doing, and in our believing. Oh, hallelujah. We need you. You are here. May the angels of God walk among the cheers and the aisles and this pulpit and the campus. 
May the power of the Holy Ghost fill all of our lives today that we are deeper and higher at the same time in the Word of God and the will of God. I pray for signs and wonders and miracles to happen in this service and the next. I pray it in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. And everybody say amen. Everybody say, I believe you, Lord. One more time. I believe you, Lord. Amen. And you may be seated. Thank you, Jesus. And thank you for the worship and for the music. The Apostle Paul is the author of the book of Philippians. Keep your Bible open there, if you will. And he is writing this letter to them from prison, being in jail. And he's writing to them words of encouragement regarding this business about victory over worry. Which is the thought for today. Victory over worry slash a secure mind. And I got to thinking about the life of the Apostle Paul and the Holy Spirit teaching me about him. And I've come to understand that if anybody had an excuse for worrying, it would be the Apostle Paul. His beloved Christian friends whom he's writing to in the city of Philippi were disagreeing with one another and he wasn't there to help them. He had established the church at Philippi but there were two individuals who were causing confusion and conflict and we're not told what the division was about but it was causing the church to be negatively affected and people to be divisive. It worried him or it could have. Along with the potential division at the city of Philippi and the people to whom he writes, Paul had to face division among believers in the city of Rome because he had traveled all over Asia Minor and started churches and small groups and cell groups and advanced the kingdom. And there were those there who were going through issues of doctrine that were causing possible divisions. Added to these burdens was the possibility of his own death. He had much, if he wanted to, to worry about. Now, I didn't ask them to put this up on the screen, but if you would turn there to Second Corinthians chapter 4, I believe you'll get an idea that uh, you got somebody in your company if you ever worried about anything. And there isn't a person here who hasn't worried about something at some time. Even right now. You're probably worried about something including, I wonder how long he's going to preach. Don't worry about that. God's got that part of it. Actually, I'd rather you look at 2 Corinthians chapter 11. I said 4, but 11. And I want to give you some idea uh, of a man 
who had experience in this thing of worry and anxiety and conflict. And I, I want to know something from somebody who's been there and done that. You know, if I'm facing a major surgery, I don't want any advice from somebody who hadn't even had an injection for measles. I, I want somebody to tell me that something who's been there, done that, came back, and on their way. I feel a whoop glory coming on. Look, chapter 11, 2 Corinthians, verse 24. This is Paul speaking. From the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes minus one. Five different times he was beaten. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. And that doesn't mean having a New Year's Eve party. That's pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I've been in the deep, meaning in the sea. In journeys often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and toil, in sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst, in fasting often, in cold and nakedness. And verse 28, beside the other things which he just mentioned, what comes upon me daily because of my concern for all the churches that I have started. And, and so I'm here to tell you this morning that if you're wondering if he knows what he's talking about, wonder no more. He's been there, done that, bought the t-shirt, has a souvenir, and he can tell you how to have a secured mind and have victory over worry. Somebody ought to help me praise the Lord a second in this house. You see, I've come to understand, we need the understanding of what is worry. What does it mean to worry? The Greek word translated anxious in verse 6 of back to Philippians chapter 4, where it says, be anxious for nothing. The Greek word translated anxious means to be pulled in different directions. You see, church, our hopes pull us in one direction, but our fears pull us in the opposite direction, and we are pulled apart. Can I get an amen? The old English root word from which we get our word worry means to strangle. If you've really ever worried, you know that it does strangle you somewhat. Worry affects your mind, body, soul, and spirit. I, I, I'm just letting you know this morning that worry has physical, definite physical consequences on us. Okay? And, and, oh, help me, Holy Ghost. The devil will cause worry to affect the rate of our heartbeat. And the rate of our heartbeat will cause us to have shortness of breath that make you think you're strangling. The worry will cause you to have uh, mental and emotional uh, disorders. Worry will affect your thinking, your digestive system, and your, even your coordination. Somebody help me preach here. I, I'm telling you, and I don't even have the time 
to uh, go into details about what worry does, but let me just give you a, a few little little other thoughts here about worry. I mean, for, for example, it's not on the screen, but, and if you take notes, write this down, because this is why we should avoid anxiety. Number one, it is not scriptural. In a single passage in Matthew's gospel, and we might read it in a little while, chapter 6, in one single passage about the issue of worry and fear and doubt, three times Jesus says, be not anxious. And therefore, if I give the devil time by worrying, when the Bible tells me not to, number one, we shouldn't do it because it's not scriptural. Number two, worry and anxiety has a negative effect in every area of our lives. Write this down. Worry divides our minds. Apprehension pulls us in different directions. Write this down. Worry decreases our productivity. Because when we worry, we're distracted. When we're distracted and worried about something that only God can do something about, we give worry the time it doesn't deserve and it distracts our productivity. Write this down. Worry affects our relationships. It's hard to keep anxiety and worry to ourselves. It just runs over. Even though you say, I don't want to be a burden to the pastor. I don't want to be a burden to my husband or my wife. I don't want to be a burden to my boss or my co-worker or my small group talking all the time about my worries. Yet if, if Satan can, he will fill your mouth and your mind with worry and it will affect your relationship with other people. Now they don't, they don't mind hearing it and they want to pray for you and they want to believe and they want to give you a word from the Lord. But sometimes uh, people, they got some of their own worries also. And, and, and after a while, they see you on aisle 11 at Walmart. And last time they saw you on aisle 3, you told them all about what was going on. So they're running out of Walmart real fast because it affects your relationship. Say amen or owe me or something. Why do you not want to worry? And why does Paul write, write this down to, for notes? Worry leads to unwise decisions. Those who are overly concerned about the future, about things that haven't happened yet, are prone to make hasty decisions to stop feeling uncertain. Oh, I, I, got, to, I got to quit worrying about what I'm preaching. <laughs> There's some young ladies and, and, and single women who worried that they're going to be an old maid at 21. Boy, they're pushing 25 and they ain't found nobody yet. And so they're worried about the future person they're going to marry and they try to help God out. And the next thing you know, in a few months, I got an appointment for a counseling session I didn't ask for. Because they went and made a decision that they didn't ask God about. Because, come on, help me here, somebody. We worry about future things. Like Abraham and Sarah worried, when are you going to give us the child you promised? And Sarah says to Abraham, well, I think we, uh, God means for you to, uh, to uh, have uh, uh, intimacy with my handmaiden, uh, Hagar. And uh, that's how we're going to have a child because I am uh, a barren. And, and what they did is they got ahead of God. And now there's the Palestinian and Jewish problem that took place because of that disobedience. Later, God blessed Abraham. God kept all the promises. 
But I've come to find out that God doesn't need my help. He just needs me to pray and believe and worship and trust his word. It may happen today. It may happen tomorrow. But if God said it's going to happen, it's going to happen. Somebody put your hands together. Mm. This is feeling so good. I think I'm going to buy this CD. Uh, You know that here's another reason why we're not to worry. It steals our joy and our peace. The greatest thief of our joy is worry. Yeah. I'm telling you from experience. And nothing the devil would like better. He can't get some of you to go back to your old sinful habits and backslide. He can't get you to go and commit adultery or fornication. Or, or he can't get you to go rob a bank and lie and cheat and, 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 and hate and be prejudiced because God's delivered you. So he's thinking, how can I get them to, to get away from God? And he puts worry in your mind about, about a, something that may appear on your, on your arm or a feeling that you have in your stomach. And makes you think, this is cancer. It's been in my family and it's going to be on me. And what he does is he gets you, since he can't get you to sin that way, he gets you to sin by doubting God and by disbelief and he steals your peace. Can I get an amen? You have come to church this morning to get your fuel tank filled up with peace, joy, and love in the Holy Ghost. Write this down and remember it. If you ain't writing it down, pretend it to make me feel better. <laughs> Worry proves to be a terrible waste of time and energy. Worry is like... <laughs> oh, God, help me to get this right. Paying for your ride on a merry-go-round machine, which is all right for kids... And they should enjoy it. You know, these horses and they go on this merry-go-round and you go round and round and up and down and have a good... That's good for kids and good for adults too. You ought to, you ought, you ought to chill out sometime and, get, and do that, okay? And ain't nothing wrong if you like roller coasters. I don't like roller coasters. <laughs> they worry me. <laughs> but some people, they like them high, fast, and just all over, you know? And if, if you like, sometimes you got to do those kind of things to get away from, from worrying, okay? Worry, worrying is like sitting in a rocking chair on the front porch and just, it's, worry is like getting on a treadmill. <laughs> and don't be, point your finger this way now because I'll be pointing my finger that way. Uh, some of us have, need to have fellowship at the gym, me especially, okay? And getting on a treadmill is a good thing. It helps you with stress and it helps you also with other kinds of things. But, and, and I like to get on the treadmill and I need to do it more often. And, and, and you can walk, about, I don't know how long it takes you, but you walk on that treadmill for 40 minutes. And you know what? When you stop that baby, you get off right where you got on. You ain't going nowhere. I don't care if you walk two miles. It's like the merry-go-round. After you get off that ride, you ain't going nowhere but got off the roller coaster of the ride. That's what worry does. Worry is not entertaining like that. Therefore, it's not a roller coaster and it's not a merry-go-round. 
Worry is a place the devil wants you to camp out. Well, what about my son? What about my daughter? The more I pray about them, the worse they get. What about my marriage? The more I pray about my marriage, the more meaner he or she becomes. That's the way the devil wants you to think so you could worry and quit praying. But every once in a while, sing a song, get your Bible open, read the Word of God, stand up when you have no, when you don't feel like it and praise Him. Sing when you don't feel like it and praise God. Sometimes you got to sing two songs or quote two scriptures. Sometimes you got to pray and fast. But my Bible tells us if I spend time in the will of God, I won't have to spend time worrying about what God. Come on, help me, help me praise Him. I, I tell you, sometimes we create our own worries. Sometimes we create our own misery. I heard this illustration on the radio, on a gospel radio station uh, while driving. And then as soon as I got home or to the office, I wrote it down trying to remember it. Uh, Three construction workers working on top of a building during their lunch break had this conversation. They're working on a high-rise building. Okay, it's lunchtime. Construction workers. Worker number one from Cleveland opens his lunch bag and there it is again. Again, a Polish hot dog for lunch. He says, if I have to eat another one of these, I think I'll jump off this building. Worker number two from Jersey opens his lunch bag and there it is again. A meatball sandwich for lunch. He said, if I have to eat another one of these, I think I'll jump off this building. Worker number three from West Virginia opens his lunch bag and there it is again. A bologna sandwich for lunch. He said, if I have to eat another one of these, I think I'll jump off this building. Sure enough, the next day, these three guys came to the same workplace, climbed up the same high rise, and came to the same place. They always sit down for lunch to open their lunch bags. The worker from Cleveland opens his lunch bag, and there it is, a Polish hot dog. Again, he jumps right off the building. Worker number two from Jersey, he opens his lunch bag and lo and behold, a meatball sandwich again. He jumps right off the building. Worker number three from West Virginia, you guessed it, another bologna sandwich. He jumps and all three of them dead. At the funeral for the three guys, the wife of worker number one, she said, grieving, if I'd only known he did not like this Polish hot dog for lunch I would not have packed it for him the wife of worker number two says if I'd only known he did not want another meatball sandwich I would have not packed him one and the worker of number three the wife of worker number three from West Virginia bologna sandwich guy she says don't look at me he packed his own lunch Sometimes you pack your own lunch. Sometimes we create our own gloom, despair, agony on me, deep, dark, depression, excessive misery. If it wasn't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. Gloom, despair, agony on me. I'm here to tell you the devil is a liar. The joy of the Lord is my strength. If God be for 
me, who can be against me? I am washed in the blood. Now the Word of God is in my life. The Holy Ghost fills my temple. The, the little monitor here. The angels of God surrounds me. And I am an overcomer. Come on, give a Lord a praise. Everybody put your hands together. Devil, you're a liar. I'm telling you. Philippians chapter 4. I wanted to start reading in verse 4. Look at verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. And in case you didn't hear it the first time. Again, I say rejoice. Everybody say rejoice. You know what? I like Christmas carols. I love the way they... Come on, ring those bells and joy to the world. The Lord has come. And sometime in the middle of June, you ought to sing. Come on, ring those bells. I know, listen, I know you all knew I went through some stuff recently, but I was crazy before that, so don't worry about me. I'm, I'm okay. I, I think he got crazier. No, I, I just got more mad at the devil and said, look, you're not going to camp out at the Matura residence. And if you do, we're going to plead the blood over you. You're not going to keep me from testifying and preaching and encouraging the church. Because if you do, I'm going to put the blood of Jesus. And I'm going to quote the word of God. And I'm going to call another fast. And we're going to pray you out of my house, their house, their house, their house. I'm going to tell you, because the devil is under our feet. I said he's under our feet. And God has the shield of faith around us we are covered by the blood of the lamb no weapon formed against us shall prosper come on come on give the lord a hand clap oh somebody thank the holy ghost Whew. man i y'all just agging me on i ain't even got to the fast the introduction You know it's only the devil going to tell you not to praise the Lord. You know it's only the devil going to tell you not to give your tithe and offerings because he doesn't want your fruit of your seed of sowing to bear fruit of harvest in your life. You know it's only the, the devil going to tell you don't read your Bible today. And, 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 but the Holy Spirit, there's always a warfare going on in you. Can I, can I get an amen? There's all... Let me, let, me, let me say this to you. From the spiritual point of view, and put this on the screen if you will, guys. Worry is wrong thinking, which involves the mind. And worry is wrong feeling, which involves the heart. Did, did, did you get it, church? It's wrong thinking and wrong feeling about circumstances, people, and things. And I'm, I said it before, but I'm going to say it again. Worry is the greatest thief of your joy. It is not enough for us, however, to tell ourselves to quit worrying because just telling yourself to quit worrying will never capture the thief of worry. Why? Because worry is an inside job. Do I, do I get a witness? It's an inside job. And the only cure for worry, according to the Word of God, and here in our text, is a secured mind 
Everybody say a secure mind. Pastor, how do you know that? I know it because the Bible says in verse 7 of Philippians 4, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and mind through Christ Jesus. Oh, thank you, Holy Spirit. Now, now, how do we conquer it? Let me give you three thoughts very quickly from this text of how we're going to conquer worry and get a secured mind. Number one is right praying. Everybody say right praying. Now in our text, Paul doesn't just tell the Philippians to pray about their troubles. Yes, that is implied. But he's too wise just to say pray. He uses three different words to describe right praying. He uses the words prayer. Look at verse 6. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer, supplication, and thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Pastor, how do I pray right? I have discovered that right praying involves adoration. Can somebody say, praise the Lord? I am guilty of being worried so much about some things I want to bring to God that I don't spend any time thanking Him for Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. I don't spend any time thanking Him for the breath I have, the sight I have, the taste I have. I don't spend any time just adoring Him for blessing me with a wonderful wife and children and a grandchild and, and another one on the way. I, I just rush in His presence sometimes like if He's some kind of slot machine and maybe I'll get lucky if I, if I just, just tell Him, oh, somebody help me here. Huh? Uh, you know, that, that's, that, the devil wants you to worry online. You know what I'm talking about? Get online with God and just worry. The fastest way to drive the devil out of your mind and make him mad is when you start praising God when you don't feel like praising God. Yeah. Honestly, sometimes you just got to do some things whether you feel like it or not. I'm talking about good things. Okay. And so he says, just get in God's presence and adore him. Thank him. Worship him. Prayer is giving our prayer requests to God, giving our needs to God. That will come. But oh, when you begin to praise Him, you read many of the Psalms and you'll understand it starts off with, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that's within me, bless His holy name. Can I get an amen? Oh, when you read the Psalm, you hear something like, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Can I get an amen, somebody? When you read the Psalm, Psalm 91, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Can I get an amen? When you read Psalm 100, when it talks about, Let everything give thanks, thanks unto God. When you start thanking God, even though you have worries, something's going to rise up from your belly. Something's going to rise up into your head and it's going to be easier to thank God, easier to praise God. You see, when you begin to adore God, it makes your problem smaller and it makes God larger. Isn't that what you want anyhow? 
When you begin to thank God who created the sun, the moon, the stars, He tells the ocean how far to come in. He tells the water how high to rise. He tells the sun and the moon how close to get to our planet. When you begin to think about God who has control over 7 billion people on one planet, when you begin to think about God who causes the sun to rise and the, and the moon to come, when you think about God who causes winter, autumn, spring, and summer, how big God is, then you know there is nothing in your life so big that God cannot give you power over. Clap your hands and praise the Lord. Now all of you in this first service owe me a prayer for the second service. Because I am preaching my liver out. So don't you, I ain't going to worry. I'm giving you all my best. The first service, I'm giving you my best. But I got to save some for the next group. So, everybody say, don't worry. Ah, thank you. I, I knew you would pray for me and you just did. Something else, put on the screen. How do I overcome, well, how do I pray right? I pray right when I pray with supplication. That means an earnest sharing of our needs and problems. You know what supplication means? Not any kind of half-hearted kind of insincere prayer. Come on and help me here, church. It's not the kind of prayer, well, I'll try, God. See if I'm lucky. Uh, I guess I've been to the doctor, I've been to the psychiatrist, I've been to the counselor, I've been to the lawyer, I've been to the banker, and I've been to the preacher. And it still ain't good. I, I guess I better pray. It's all right for little children in teaching them how to pray. To have certain prayers that they say like a rhyme. It's all right for a two or three year old to say, God is great. God is good. Let us thank him for his food. By his hands we are fed. Give us, Lord, daily bread. But for goodness sake, you're 53 now. Can you get a little more creative? And sincere? Ooh, I <laughs> Some of you are feeling like that guy from West Virginia. You're packing your own lunch. <laughs> you know what? If you're really worried about something, it really burden you, you don't have to be told how to pray. You don't, have, you don't have to have a gallon of olive oil poured over your head and somebody slap you down on the ground or blow you over. I'm not trying to be cynical. I'm just trying to tell you. You don't thank God for my father and mother who taught me how to pray. Thank God for some of you in this church who taught me how to pray when I hear you pray. But there comes a time when I can't get to my father and my mother. My mother's going on and on. My father, it may not be available and my prayer partner may not be available. But God is always available. I don't have to come through a pope or a priest or a bishop or a pastor. Somebody here help me now. I don't have to come through a prayer club, a prayer tower, or 1-800-PRAYER. I got to come through the Father, the Son, and the sweet Holy Ghost. I got a hotline to glory. And if I, my heart is hurting, if, if, if my body is not well, if something's going on in my marriage or my children or my church or the devil's attacking, I don't have 
to be told how to pray. I get down on my face before God. Sometimes I lie on the carpet on my face. Or I'll walk up back and forth. Or I'll stand up so nothing distracts me. And I'll pray and supplicate. And soon the Holy Ghost will help me praying in mourning and groaning in a spiritual language. And I don't even know how to pray, but I know I'm connecting. Somebody give the Lord some thanks. You know how you pray right? The, the third word. You, you pray right in appreciation. I know adoration and appreciation has similar context and meaning. But I found that in my life, my worry sometimes leads me to be quick to ask God for my need to be met and slow to thank God for what he's already done. You heard me, right? All of us are human nature. We don't mean to be this way. But we, it don't take us long to ask God and give him our grocery list of needs. And long about three or four or five weeks later, we find out we don't, we're not feeling that pain anymore. Uh, and and we, we got uh, finances from a source we didn't even expect because God told us to sow out of our need. And we didn't just get out what we asked God for. We got surplus. Prayer is, I thank you for what you've already done. Is I appreciate what you've already done. I wouldn't have gotten here if it wasn't without you. And I'm just saying to you, God, I got to watch. And you know the timeline that I got to have what I need to have. But I just want to say, thank you, Lord. Like Andre Crouch used to sing. I just want to take a little time right now and say, thank you, Lord. For all you've done for me. Somebody, come on. Thank you, Lord. I, I, I got to move with haste. You see, let, let, let me say this to you. Here's a, second, here's a second thought. Worry is not just right praying. You overcome worry by right thinking. We are what we eat. <laughs> uh Whatever we are full of. Yeah, anybody say, boy, that's sure full of it, ain't it? We'll spill over. We not only are what we eat, we are the product of our thinking. You can get out of this service what you need. If you will look at verse 8. Finally, brethren... Whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things of a good report, if there's any virtue, any praise, meditate. Think on these things. The Bible says, and it's, on, it's probably be on the screen, guys, 2 Corinthians 10, verse number 5. We are to, we are to think rightly by casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Can I get another amen? So Paul in verse 8 spells out in details the things that we ought to think about as Christians. Whatsoever thing is true. Can I get an amen? 
I read the other day where Dr. Walter Cavert reported a survey on worry that indicated that only 8% of the things people worried about were legitimate matters of concern. 8%. The other 92% were either imaginary, never happened, or involved matters over which people had no control at all. Satan is a liar. That Jesus said he is the father of lies. So his job is to cause you to think on things that are not true. To corrupt your mind with lies. He, he started that in the Garden of Eden. And I'm trying to hurry here. When he appeared to Eve to get her to be tempted to eat of the forbidden fruit and the tree in the garden. And he said to Eve, Yea, had God really said that you shouldn't eat of this tree? Is, is that what he said? God didn't really mean what he said when he said that you shouldn't eat of this tree. What God really meant was that if you eat of this tree, you're going to be like God and that he doesn't want you to be like God. A lie. And sometimes the devil will try to get you to take care of your worry by going back to a certain habit and lifestyle. He'll get, he'll try, try to say, it's okay, God doesn't mind if you go and get stoned. Now the other kind of stoned. Not, you know, the New Year's Eve kind. God doesn't mind if, you, if, if, if every once in a while, because you're worried, you let your anger out at people and you curse and swear. God doesn't mind if you come home and take it, off on your, uh, uh, on your, uh, take it out on your wife or your children. God doesn't mind if you miss church because you're worried and if you don't. Let, let me tell you, the devil is a liar. The devil is a liar and he's going to try to get you to act and behave in ways where he will get glory and you will suffer. And Paul says, think on the... Th what is truth? Right here. His word. Clap your hands and say amen. Look at this. He said, think, he said whatever is honest and whatever is just. What does that mean? Right thinking means that whatever is worthy of respect and what is right. And there are many things that are not respectable that Christians should not think on. Let, 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 let me move you to the third point there because I'm, I'm, I'm going to run out of time. Give, give me the next slide real quick here. Whatever thing is pure, lovely, and a good report. Put the fourth one up there. Whatever possesses virtue and praise, these are the things to think about. Listen to me. Here's a final of three thoughts. I told you, right praying, right thinking, and here's the final thought, right living. We cannot separate outward actions from our inner attitudes. Yeah. Did you, did, did you follow that? You may have an inner attitude, I love God, I love the, the, I want to serve God, I want to please God. But just because you have good intentions and the right attitude and you have right thoughts about God, doesn't mean you can go out and live like the devil. And like the world and the flesh and expect your worries to go away. If you sin, ask God to forgive you. If you went back and did some wrong things because you wanted to drown your worries... And the Holy Ghost brought it to you and says, that's wrong. Find a place to repent and ask God to forgive you. Can I get an amen? 
I'm telling you, right living is a necessary condition for experiencing the peace of God. And, and, and if you will, look at verse number, number 9. It says, the things that you've learned, received, heard, and saw, and these things do. And if I have that for the screen, guys, put it on the screen. I, I'm telling you that right living doesn't come from Hollywood reality shows. Oh, I'm trying to find a place to land this plane here. You don't get your morality from unsaved athletes, NBA or NFL stars. Can I get an amen here? You don't get your morality and fashion and dress and moral appear, uh, inner as well as outward appearance from Paris or New York or some designer. Can I, can I get an amen here? If you want God to bless you, there's got to be right living. Somebody help me praise the Lord. If that, you want God to bless you, Sometimes your pride doesn't want you to make an apology. But if God says to make an apology, the Bible says if you have aught against your brother or sister and you come to church, don't expect any blessing unless you first go find your brother and sister and make it right. And then God's going, I wish somebody would praise the Lord here. You won't get your... You don't, I appreciate you coming to hear me preach and I want you to come and bring others. But you don't get your blessing from the preacher alone or the choir or the music or the person beside you. You can get your blessing after church on Sunday, all day Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday and Sunday again. Because you have right living, right praying, right thinking and you don't let the devil get a stronghold. Stand up to your feet now and give the Lord a praise with your hands after you put your Bibles down. Come on. Come on. Everybody. Everybody. I praise you, Lord. I praise you, Lord. Somebody say, I praise you, Lord. Somebody say, I thank you, Lord. <laughs> oh, my, 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 my. So, listen. I, I got to thinking as I was waiting on the service here and I'm praying and worshiping and Sometimes our pride won't let us step out of our comfort zone. And we go home with what we brought and meant to leave with God. Here's how the Holy Spirit told me to close this service. And if you're not comfortable with it, I won't be offended. And I'm not using the Holy Spirit to exploit your response. But I want as many people as can fill these altars. I want everybody to come in a moment when I invite you. And I want you to come close. I haven't done this. This is the sixth week or maybe seventh in this house. I've I've always opened the altar for whoever has special needs. But I'm 56 years old and I've had through the course of ministry my interaction with all kinds of people with all kinds of needs. There's not a person here this morning who doesn't have a need that you need to give to God. And I don't want you to leave here with the devil having been the winner. One of the reasons I wanted an altar space like this is so that the body of Christ could gather together at the altar. One old song says, take your burdens to the Lord. 
and leave it there. The Bible talks about the altar being the place where you offer up the sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving. If you ain't got to worry, I want you to come anyhow and thank God that you ain't got to worry. I want everybody that will, as they play and start singing, leave, leave where you are. Come, come to the altar. You may have to stop in an aisle because not everybody will get in the altar. Come on close. Turn up all the lights, guys. It's only 24 minutes after 10 o'clock, so don't worry, okay? Come on. After you come up here, we're going to worship God and we're going to give Him thanks. Thank you for coming. Oh, praise God. As close as you can. I want you to, I want you by coming saying, I'm bringing it to you, God. I'm bringing it to the altar. I'm bringing it. I'm not sending it. I'm bringing it. I'm bringing my husband, my wife. They may be with you. I'm bringing my child. I'm bringing my, I'm bringing my health. I'm bringing my, fin my finances. I need joy. I need peace. I need right thinking. Come on. I want to do right thinking, right praying, and right living. Right now, before we ask him do what we, the Bible says. Before you ask Him, adore Him. Raise up your hands and begin to adore Him. Raise up your voices louder and, and praise Him. Come on, come on. Everybody, I love it, I love it. Everybody, raise up your hands. I adore you, Lord. I worship you. Sing a little bit now, my brother. Then I'm going to pray in the name of Jesus. Thank you. Come on, come on. Lord, I worship you. You got things you can thank him for you got a hundred things just thank him oh I praise your Lord Jesus I praise your Lord Jesus come on come on we got time we got time for everything else thank you for listening to this podcast for more information visit smmcog.com